Hey guys, welcome back to my show. Today is a really special episode as we have debut author Payal Doshi on the show. So before we begin, I would like to um, give a big shout out to everyone else who has been watching the show since a long time, and I would love you to watch this show also. Okay, so without any further ado, let's begin. Hi, Payal, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Anika. I'm so excited to be here. It is a real privilege to be interviewed by you, a 13-year-old who has read my book, uh, a book that was written for kids like you. Um, and so I'm very excited to be here and chat with you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So let's dive in into the questions. Yes. So what was the first book that made you cry? The first book that made me cry was Anne of Green Gables by Ellen Montgomery. Um, it's such a beautiful, so it's also one of my favorite books and probably the book that got me uh, to love reading um, and made me fell in love with middle grade books. Um, you know, Anne, have you read the book? Anne Shirley is such an amazing character. She's such a, you know, tomboy she speaks her mind but she's also so sensitive and she sees the world with such wonderful uh, eyes and um and her plight was sad it made me feel bad my heart used to break for her but at the same time she showed such strength uh, in her circumstances and so yeah i think that was probably the first book that made me cry that's amazing because even i have read that book and it's like a really nice sweet heartfelt book yes so what character did you like from that book from Anne of Green Gables yeah I really loved Anne because I think I read Anne when I was around your age or maybe even younger I think maybe I was 11 when I read Anne of Green Gables and it was the first book that I read that showed a female character who was, you know, not necessarily prim and proper and, you know, goody two shoes and following all the rules and listening to, you know, everybody. She was her own kid with her own mind. She had this amazing imagination. Um, she was not afraid to speak whatever was on her mind. Uh, sometimes that got her into trouble, but she didn't stop anyway. She, and she was just such a big hearted, generous girl who had you know, different flaws than the girls that I had read about previously. Um, and I love that she had such a wonderful friendship with Diane, her best friend. And um, I loved her relationship with Gilbert as well. Uh, and, and I connected with her so much as a kid who was, you know, also around the same age at the time and going through similar things in school with her. Um, and I feel like she gave me the permission to be who I wanted to be without having to be what everybody else in the society expected you to be as a girl. Um, I feel like she just allowed me to be myself. And so she is my favorite character. On that. That's amazing. Yeah. So have you ever gotten um, writer's block? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh my God. Yes. And I can talk about it uh, very recently because I am currently drafting the sequel to Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar. It's my first draft. 
I am terrible at first drafts. Uh, I am really a, a writer who loves to revise, but first drafts are very tedious for me. Uh, and I often find myself having a lot of writer's block, even though I, you know, plot my novel, I outline my novel. But what I end up doing is my process is such that before I start writing any book, I will, you know, I will obviously have the plot idea and then I will write it down on a piece of paper and I will try and expand the plot and, you know, just jot down those ideas. Then I will enter into a research phase where I will go online, read certain books uh, based on the plot idea that I have, and then I will add more to the, the, the plot of the novel. And then I create like this bulleted uh, outline of how I feel the novel will go. And then what happens is, and then I will begin to write. So even though it sounds like I've done so much research prior to writing the book and I've plotted the book pretty extensively, I know the main checkpoints of the book, but I don't, so I know that, you know, my character A has to go from point one to point two, but how my character is going to actually make it from point one to point two, I don't know until I sit to write. Uh, so oftentimes I get writer's block because I know my character has to move and get to this place, but I'm either not loving the ideas in my head where I'm like, yeah, this is very ordinary the way they are going there. I feel that I need to add more tension um, or I just feel like this is getting very repetitive or boring. And so then, then I end up being in a writer's block where I'm just like, I don't know how to move this character from this point to that point. But eventually uh, it comes to me sometimes I just take a break, you know, I will stop writing for that day or um, for a few hours, I will just let it, you know, ruminate in my mind. Sometimes the answer comes to me while I'm sleeping or I'm taking a shower and I'm like, oh yes, this is what that the character should do. Um, you know, and yeah, so I would say that for me, it's like, I would take, I'll take a little break, either go for a walk, either just step away from the book. Um, or just have it at the back of my mind while doing other things and, and even sometimes reading uh, other books kind of helps to get those creative juices flowing. Yeah, that's a, that's like a major problem. Like first drafts are always the hardest, yeah. especially if you're a um, um, plotter. Sometimes plotters, like there's plotters, pantsers and there's one more, I forgot which one it was. But like pantsers have more difficulties because like they just um, go by the flow, they don't plot at all for example yeah. me yeah I, what are you pantser. are you you're a pantser oh my i see that i find pantsers to be pure geniuses because i would just be staring at my computer screen not knowing what i'm supposed to do or what i'm supposed to write if i was a pantser which is if why you're a pantser, i need to plot huh? yeah if you're a pantser then you would be like just writing now whatever comes to your mind even stuff yeah. which are not even related to your book I, yeah, and then I wouldn't know what to do with them. I'd be like, these jigsaw pieces don't fit and I would never be able to have a complete picture or a complete novel. Uh, so I, I'm, yes, I am so not the poster child for a pencil. I am definitely yeah, a plotter. Being a pencil would mean um, getting many books shelved. Like um, pe people who are pencils, most of the time they can't work on one project like me. I First book was really short, it was like a children's book. It was only nine pages long, so I made a collection of all these stories I've written so far. Now the second book is going to be long, was a mystery novel. 
nothing so being a fencer is kind of hard in that way because you don't really know who is going to be the culprit you don't know <laughs> whether it's for character a character b character c because they all suspects that's so exciting i mean hearing about it it just makes me get so excited because i'm like that's so cool because it's like you're writing a story especially if you're writing a mystery then you are solving the mystery as you write it yeah. which is really cool and i will tell you that when i am going from that point you know a to point b i'm kind of pantsing my way through point a even though i know i have to take my characters from this point to that point i'm pantsing my way um through between those two points and in that i have so much fun especially when i'm in the flow because then you know it literally is like the characters just lead me down a path and it's like even though i planned for you know a certain direction i'm like no they want to go this way and and that almost feels like magic to me because i had not planned it i had not thought of it and it came so organically whether it makes it in the book eventually or not is irrelevant but i always pants my way through those checkpoints and that's when i have the most fun writing so i can see the allure of being a pantser which just gets so much anxiety i don't think i would be able to pants through an entire book without a plot yeah because as i said earlier without a plot your your book would be like going in one direction and then all of a sudden goes makes a wrong turn and then reaches somewhere else it gets really confusing as a reader to like understand yes and i feel that one drawback might also be that you might write yourself into these dead ends um so then you might have to rewrite quite a bit to get out of you know a plot point or plot hole that you have written yourself into and like be like okay clearly i cannot move forward with this um plot trajectory so then you have to write backwards so maybe when if you plot you might have slightly lesser revising and rewriting to do maybe yeah because like um going into a plot hole is kind of like getting stuck into like a like when you walk you fall into a hole yes and you are trying to get out by using vines around you it's kind of like that it kind of is because like when you get stuck in a plot hole to get out you try to make use of the words you have around you if it's something mm-hmm. if they are going falling into a hole let's say that's only the thing which is happening but then it's not making her fall into a hole you make a trip and fall but then the way she trips is kind of absurd and you want to change that you use the things around you to make it feel more natural absolutely right that is so well put and when you fall into that said hole and if you can't find use for the words and the tools around you then you have a problem but at the same time if you can then you have organically created such incredible tension in your book that you had not thought of before uh and that that would be amazing too so you know each each you ha- every writer has to respect their own process and i think there are pros and cons to each process being a plotter or a pencil or even in between um so i would say just follow your intuition and your process as a writer because that's the only way you're going to be able to get your story out. Yeah. And no no process is easy. <laughs> Both are equally tedious. So because no two writers have the same writing process. No. And if they do then that's a problem. Yes, and that would mean that you know writing can fall under some sort of formula like you can write a book using some sort of formula which you can't really you know writing is an art it's not a science 
and although there are a few elements you can definitely use the tools from you know uh, books on structure and storytelling and there are tools you can use but the real act of writing and incorporating those tools and adding your own touch and flavor to it is an art and it it can never be replicated by somebody else because you're just two very different people Yeah. So now let's move on. Um, so the book of Rhea and the Blood of Nectar. Could you tell us more about that? Yeah. So Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar is a story about twelve-year-old Rhea Chetri, who is from Darjeeling, India. She lives uh, in the tea plantations of Darjeeling, and one day, on her twelfth birthday, her twin brother Rohan goes missing. Her amma gets really mad and blames her for his disappearance, and so that sets Ria off on an adventure to find him. She visits the towns, fortune teller. Uh, she has clues to unravel, and ultimately she embarks on this magical and thrilling quest that takes her into an otherworldly realm called Astranthia, where she has to find out what has happened to Rohan. um she discovers dark truths about her past uh she discovers she has magic she has to fight evil creatures and ultimately she has to save rohan and the realm of astranthia but will she be able to do it in time you will have to read the book to find out okay since that um book sounds very amazing i urge you guys to check it out as soon as it hits the stores If you want it earlier, you may request a copy from Pile and let's see what she can do for you. Yes, you can go to my website, which is pyledoshiauthor.com. You can order it on Amazon or any of your local bookstores. Uh, it's all on a, on their online um, portals, so you can order the book. The book releases officially June fifteenth, and that's when you'll be able to find it in the stores. But it's available online if you'd like to pre-order. Okay, that's amazing. So, how did publishing your first book change your process of writing? Um, so initially, when I first started writing this book, it took me ten years to finish it. Ah, uh, that's a very long period of time. I, you know, a lot of life got into the way. I came to study in the U.S. Um. I got married. I had a kid. Uh, lots of things happened, and I was—it was a start-stop-start-stop process. Once I got my book published, um, and I have now been signed for a trilogy. So, *Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar* is the first book in a series of three books. I have to now write the sequel and submitted it in a few months, and so I have to write an entire book in a few months, which was very different from my last experience, where I didn't have a deadline. and i you know i there were some moments of procrastination uh some moments where i really didn't have time because i was juggling a job um and so the biggest difference is i'm have and i'm still figuring out how to write an entire book in a short period of time um time is not a huge luxury for me because i have a 3 year old daughter so i what i have come to realize is that i don't do very well with like big word count goals in a day um i my hope and wish is to write every day even if it's 50 words 500 words 1000 words 
that still doesn't happen every day because you know again different things happen but i try to do that every day i think about writing every single day but the act of writing may not happen every day but when i do sit to write and i i tend to get in at least 3 or 4 days of writing in a week i don't focus on the quantity of words or the quality it's just that i should write on that moment at that moment on that day um because as many words that i get down is more the more than what i had the day before um and so that's my strategy right now to keep writing i've written about 60% of the sequel so i still have 40% to go which is quite a bit um but i take it one day at a time it's amazing so now that you are writing three books all at once like you said like these few months you're doing second book and then next few months you're doing third book once you're done your third book what are you planning to do next Well, I'm only writing my sequel right now because the way it works in publishing is that once I finish writing my sequel, I mean, I wish I could, I could write that quickly. I mean, there's not that you can't do that. It's just that I cannot do that. So I'm going to finish writing my book and then I will submit it to my editor, who will then read it and then we will go through a series of edits. So I, I foresee the next year. are uh, being spent as in the uh, by the end of this year and maybe early next year spent in revisions and edits of this book um and then possibly in 2022 um i will start writing the last book but that being said to answer your question i have plot ideas for three additional books like brewing in my mind so I suspect that once I finish writing the sequel and I send it off to my editor I will get a few months um you know break from the Ria series where I might start plotting my one of the the books that you know one of the ideas that I have in my head just as a break to like just you know mix things up and not always continuously be in the world of Ria yeah so what part of your books like what um inspired you to create such a nice vivid imagine like imaginative place so book? i so i love reading books in which the character feels uh, the setting feels like a character in itself i love uh, lush prose um descriptions of nature i just find that that ends up transporting the reader to that place and i and i really wanted my book to be a very immersive book i wanted you to forget where you were and you know imagine that you were either in darjeeling in the tea plantations or you were in astranthia um so you will find that both settings are very lush and filled with floral descriptions and imagery when i first started to write this book and i knew obviously that it was going to be set in india i was thinking about where i wanted to set it in and I knew right away that I wanted it to be in Darjeeling because I wanted to write about a place in India that not too many people know about and people may have heard of Darjeeling tea but they have no idea about what the place looks like or where it is in India you know after slum dog millionaire the movie you know there are images of India with Bombay Mumbai being you know slum ridden and it's dirty and it's you know all in the or there are like really small villages everywhere like the stereotypical image of india is very different from the india that i'm writing and that's one of the reasons why i decided to write about darjeeling 
because I wanted to showcase a beautiful part of the country because we have so many beautiful places in the country. We just don't get spoken about and talked about and pictured about. So nobody really knows about them. Um, so that is why I chose Darjeeling because I wanted it to be set in this beautiful hill station with rolling tea plantations, the Himalayas at the back. Um, and it's just a really gorgeous place. And then with Astranthia, again, like I said, um, I wanted it to be very lush and immersive. And, you know, you have read the book, so you know that flowers and a one particular flower in particular is, you know, responsible for the magic of Astranthia. So nature is very connected to the story. It's an integral part of the magic system in Astranthia. I personally love nature. And when I think of a magical place, I just think of something incredibly stunning landscape wise and so that's why i set both these places as very lush verdant uh, places that's amazing so are you planning to write any um, book with the setting which has no plants at all well yeah actually um so one of the ideas in my head I mean, it's a very, very nascent idea. It's just, it's just a kernel of an idea. It's like I want to set a book, uh, you know, with with kids who have magic in Mumbai. Have you ever been to Mumbai? Um, I shifted from Mumbai recently. Yeah, so same here. So, uh, I wanted to, you know, keep like set it in, you know, a building in Mumbai. Um, and as you know, it's the, we have trees, but it's not particularly very green or lush. Uh, but that is one of the next books that I am very excited to write about. So it's about these kids who have magic uh, and that not too many people know about it, who are living this double life in Mumbai, in a, just like in an apartment complex in Mumbai, in a colony in Mumbai. So sounds like an amazing idea. Can't wait to read. Thank you. Okay, so if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? I would tell myself that especially when you're writing your first draft, keep writing till you reach the end. I did not do that with my first book and it is one of the main reasons why it took me so long to write because I would write a few chapters and then I would go back, reread them and edit them. And every time I started to write the next chapter, I would go back and just read what I had written to you know, get into the mind space of what I wanted to write ahead. But then I would be like, oh, this sentence isn't nice. And you know, maybe I should write something else here. So I ended up just rewriting and revising what I'd already written. And I just did not make good progress forward. So that left me with me writing a book for years and still not having a finished manuscript, however terrible it might have been. And so the advice I would give my younger self and any aspiring writer out there is that especially when you're writing your first draft, just write until you hit the end. And remember that first drafts are terrible and nobody writes a perfect first draft. And at the end of it, when you do have that first draft, you have a whole story that you can then mold and revise and shape to what you want it to be. But when you don't have a whole story, you can never get to that process of refining the whole story. You'll just end up having a one part of it that is very polished, 
while the rest of it either doesn't exist or it's just a pile of words. So that would be my advice. Keep writing until you hit that finish line because there are many, many people who want to write books and who start writing books, but there are a very few percentage of people that actually finish writing a book. And that even means just your first draft, which can be as terrible as it may be. But to get to that point, there are, there's a very small percentage that makes it there. So I would say keep writing until you reach the end. Yeah, um, when you write, most most of the time, including me, um, when you go back and try to read to figure out what to write, write next, you end up getting stuck into editing, even though you're actually supposed to edit right after you're done writing your whole book. Because like you feel that if you don't read what's behind, you won't know what to add. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have to edit a large chunk in the end. But you don't think that if you do it now, then you'll end up editing. And ed- doing editing means spending hours and hours doing it. And then you forget. And then the writing time which you devoted um, for your writing would be finished. And then you would be like next day again editing. Because then you'll again be reading what you have. Exactly. And the fact is that once you finish writing the whole book, even if you've edited, edited, you know, the first few chapters, the first section of your book, so several times, you will still have to edit it once you have the whole book. So you're just unnecessarily wasting time editing and editing and editing when you would anyways have to do that later. And so many things change as you keep writing and, uh, you know, as you keep writing forward in your story and in your novel. Um, so absolutely, it is it is a waste of time um, to spend that much time in editing before you have finished your novel. Yeah. So what um, did you do with your first um, book? Like how much, like now that um, your book is going to be releasing in June and you're giving out pre-orders, mm-hmm. what do you plan to do? Like how are you, are you planning to promote your book and make it to the best-selling list? I don't know if um, I have anything to do with getting the book on a bestsellers list. Those lists are very difficult to get to. um, And that's not my goal really, to be on a bestsellers list. I mean, if it happens, of course, I'm going to be delighted, but that's not my end goal. Uh, What I'm doing in, in terms of promotions is, you know, wonderful interviews like this, where I get to talk about my book. I have uh, a wonderful pre-order campaign. So if you pre-order my book uh, from my publisher's website, which is mangoandmarigoldpress.com, then you will get a free sticker, a free button, a free bookmark, a free uh, assigned book plate, as well as one free chapter from the book that will be sent to your inbox that you can read. And for my launch, I'm planning a few events with some bookstores and with some authors um, where we'll get to talk about my book and hopefully people will get excited to buy it and read it. Yeah, free things make many people be like, okay, let's see what this is. Because like yeah. when this is free, you'll be like, maybe this ha- is good, maybe we could try doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it, and there's some fun free swag, right? So there's like yeah. a sticker which you can, you know, it's kind of like a, um, like a, like how on shows when they like have the L show, they like give you like this <laughs> giveaways. 
Yep, right. Except mine aren't as cool as those giveaways that Oprah and Ellen give. But I feel like to a book lover, it might be fun. Yeah. You know, we all love bookmarks because we always lose them anyway. Yeah, because it's better than dog tailing your pages because that spoils the pages anyways. Right, I couldn't agree more. Because dog tailing them, especially if you are reading a library book and you do not have a bookmark, that's way worse. That is way worse because yes, absolutely. If you still because do that recently, with your own books, it's fine. Yeah, recently <laughs> I got a book and it is fully creased from the ends. It is so hard to read. Yes, yes, absolutely. The edge is all like oh, folded no. and torn. Oh no! Well, I hope that at least that book has been read that many times. Then, if nothing. Yeah, it has many stamps yeah. on it. Oh, nice. Um, speaking of libraries, are you planning on bringing your first book into libraries? Yes, I am. I very much am. I do plan on reaching out to my local libraries, uh, libraries in different parts of the country. Um, I hope to do some events with them, uh, and, you know, once the book releases. Um, maybe if they have book clubs in their libraries, I would love for my book to be read by the kids and discussed and I would love to do an event with them where I can talk about the book and talk about my process. Um, I, it is incredibly important for me to have my book in libraries. My publisher is also, they have a wonderful initiative called 1001 Diverse Books and what they do is we will be donating 1001 copies of my book uh, and stocking them up in schools and libraries uh, in places where um, they don't have the resources to buy the book. So at least that way, kids from marginalized backgrounds um, and from underserved communities will get access to the books. That'd be really nice. So, uh, what authors have like motivated you to like keep on writing despite all your struggles, like for example, writer's block, not getting enough ideas, so which authors or which people inspired or motivated you to continue writing? I don't have one particular author that did that for me. Um, I just, I'm part of a group of writers um, and authors who are debuting in this year 2021. And I'm a part of uh, a few writers who write middle grade books. And I just find that you know, watching them write their books and watching them talk about their books and write newer books kind of helps me stay motivated as well. Um, it's nice to feel like you are part of that community. It's nice to see others doing well um, and then, you know, want to do well yourself and support them and, you know, vice versa. Um, I think that fuels me because I, you know, like you, you have published a book, you know what that feels like. It, it is such a good feeling just to even hold that book in your hands that whatever you wrote and imagined in your mind is now printed in flesh in this, you know, gorgeous bound book. Um, I think just the idea of having that as a dream for every new book that I write is motivation enough and the writers that are my peers and my colleagues and the writers who you know even on twitter um there's a big writing community um it's just nice to see them work so hard on their craft 
um, that makes me motivated to stick to doing what I'm doing, even though it gets hard sometimes. And you know, you get the writer's block, and you may feel like you don't have enough creativity in you some days. I feel like that really fuels me and motivates me to keep going. That's amazing. So the um, network of authors who um, who are become who are debuting their books in 2021. Is there a website the 21 does? Yes, it is. It actually sounds. Yeah, I did my research. That's actually how I found you and your oh, book. Is that so? Oh, that's wonderful. Yes, you're absolutely right. Because I keep on finding. Right. Because I keep on finding new books to read. Because there's hardly any books left for me to read. I've read almost every book that is available. That's amazing, Anika. You are incredible. You are an inspiration to me. Forget just kids your own age. You are an inspiration to me as a book lover and as a writer. I mean, yeah. hats off to you that you have published your book already and you're writing another one. I didn't even know what I wanted to do at 13. I, I did love reading books and that was it. That was the extent of it. So like what I do is like, since I've read almost every book, I go on to like um, Goodreads and search for debut books which are coming and try to contact the authors maybe try to get them on my show to speak about the book and then maybe try and getting a pre-order book or an e-book from them that way I can actually read it and it's really fun I'm so this is the last book which is there from previous years wow it's called The Inventors at number 8 and there's this book called The Griffinite Chronicles I was currently reading that. That's also kind of like Rhea and the Blood of Nectar. Yeah. It's that that is not in the Indian style. No. Um. Oh, and also, um, I know a very great author mm-hmm. who also writes um mythologies. Like she writes Hindu characters. So like there's called a book uh, by Roshni Chokshi. Yes. Her books mm-hmm. are really good. They are also kind of similar to yours. Are amazing. They are my heroes, actually, in in the writing world, uh, especially with you know with Indian writers. Yeah. Roshni Choksi and Sayantani Das Gupta are my heroes. I look up to them. Their books are phenomenal. Yeah, they're uh, amazing. I, I just love like- what they're doing. They're represented by Rick Rodden. Yes, yes. Roshni Choksi is, yes. I think they do it with Indian mythology, like basically any mythology, basically. Like Greek yes, mythology. Yes, that's what I think. So Roshni does it with Mahabharata. That's what her Arusha books no, are. No, it's being. actually, um, it's mixed. Mahabharata and Ramayana. Both. Oh, is that so? I see. Okay. Because I, I, I figured she draws more from Mahabharata because all of the kids are the reincarnations of the Pandavas. Yeah, uh, but she, she might... takes inspiration from both, I think. Very possible, very possible, yes. Because I think her grandmother must be um, like reading these stories when she's young. Yes. Because I've seen her YouTube videos, which is really good. Yes. And I think they're really rare authors who decide to like speak more about the Indian culture. Yes, absolutely, which is why 
writers and authors like you are so amazing to have in this in our generation i didn't think about being a writer see i i lived in india my whole life i grew up in india i went to school in india college university i moved here only 8 years ago um and i was well in my 20s when i moved here but when i was you know back home in india and i grew up in the 90s uh i didn't have any indian author to look up to that wrote kid lit or middle grade books that i could be like oh i want to do that because i love to read i want to do that it just never occurred to me because i never saw them you know and a funny story is that when i first wrote ria and i was maybe 23 24 when i first wrote it um uh, my whole first draft i had written ria and rohan as white characters ria was rose rohan was brian they lived in england somewhere because those are the books that i grew up reading and i just thought that's what you know everybody wants to read about so basically their names would not have been ria and their names would not have been rohan no not at all and so it's so important to have representation and diverse representation and you know for the indian diaspora the south asian diaspora it's so important to have authors writing books about india and about the indian experience so that kids like you will also do the same and because we have so much in our culture and in our day to day experiences in our mythology in our food in our clothing in our dress in our festivals there's so much that we have that we can write and talk and share about and you know show the world um and as and show us as well because it's pretty cool like ria is looks like you you know that's amazing and i just love seeing that when i first saw the cover like i teared up because i'm like i never seen you know a middle grade book a children's book when i was a kid that had an indian girl on the cover like looking so fierce with magic like she's the main character and she's going to save the world and and you're going to love her you know um we just didn't have that and i think it's so important that we see more of that which is why the work that sayantani dasgupta and roshni choksi and now many others that are coming up are doing you as you grow older i have no doubt that you're going to have way more books under your belt than i ever will um it's just fantastic and that you thought at at not even 13 at 10 you said that i'm going to write a book this 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 thought had never entered it didn't enter my mind until I was 23 so you know it's a, it's very important yeah um so i feel that if your book would not have been like you know of having an indian background in it your book would not have been as extraordinary as it is now because like it would be if it had like characters which you may be seeing in your daily life doing extraordinary things that would not be as impactful as having an indian background person doing extraordinary things because i like to think so yes yeah because these days there are many books which have ordinary um, like ordinary children doing extraordinary things but there's no extra children doing extraordinary things yeah and there are very few indian kids ordinary or yeah. extraordinary doing extraordinary things right and we we see so many white kids who are ordinary doing incredible things um why can't we have indian kids doing that because we're all the same you know yeah so with this we are at the end of the show i hope you had fun everyone and i hope to see you all guys next time bye guys thank you so much